your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yeah, welcome back to The Grill. Second hour of the show and plenty still to talk about. Uh, what have we got for you? Well, we'll have an eye on Lords, where England are taking on Australia in the crucial second uh, Ashes test match between the two, so we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, we're also going to keep an eye on uh, what's happening in the build-up to uh, the game between England and Wales and the Quilter Internationals. These are basically the warm-up games ahead of the uh, Rugby World Cup, which takes on a little later on. And uh, let's, before all that, obviously live action uh, from the Emirates Stadium, where Arsenal take on Burnley in the early kickoff of the Premier League. There's also an early in the Championship, which we'll keep an eye on for you a little later on in proceedings as well. Uh, if you would like to be part of proceedings, we're encouraging you to come on down here to Barasti. Nice to be back at Barasti for a brand new season of The Grill. Our ninth, in fact, uh, live here from Barasti. So if you love your sport and if you'd like to get on air, and in fact, if you fancy yourself as something of a sporting pundit and would like to join the panel, then come on down and throw your hat into the ring. Always looking for new faces, new voices to join us with their thoughts and opinions. 4001, if you're sending a text, you can give the team in the studio a call on 04871 You can have your say at Dubai I 1038FM at Dubai I Sport. You can get in touch with any of the grill panel on their individual uh, handles on Twitter, Instagram, and other social media platforms. Or better still, if you can get yourself out, if you can get a pink ticket, come down and enjoy an afternoon, evening, uh, and night of sport live down here at Barasta. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Okay, okay, what's happening in the world of sport? Let's get around the grounds if we can. Let's start down at the Emirates Stadium, Arsenal against Burnley. Thanks, Tom. Still 1-0. We've got about 10 minutes until the break. You join me as Burnley have what is their first crack at the Arsenal goal for the best part of 5-10 minutes. Arsenal have been on the ascendancy. They weathered that storm that Burnley threw at them immediately after Lacazette's opener 12 minutes in. A couple of good chances. Danny Ceballos at the heart of everything Arsenal are doing well, running from deep, finding those little pockets of space in between the lines and with his, his very cute, dainty feet, creating lots of little chances and little angles for the club to come forward. As it is, it's Burnley now that are on the front foot. It's a really nicely poised game, this. There's not masses of quality. It's two good Premier League sides with all the energy of an early season combative opportunity. Apologies from me as well. I said there was an early kickoff in the Championship. I'm wrong. The reason I said that and this gives you an idea of how quickly you can go up and down in the football leagues, is that I saw that Sunderland against Portsmouth were playing. I thought immediately that it must be a championship game. Amazing. That's a League One game these days. It is indeed, yeah. Sunderland, of course, those back-to-back relegations. I mean, Portsmouth have been languishing for quite some time, Tom. I don't think you can, uh, you can, you can blame the, the long summer on that one. It has been a while since they were down there. As it is, that game is one all. Sunderland, many tips to go up this season. And a little word on Sunderland. I can't offer you much insight on how they line up at the moment. But for anybody that hasn't seen the documentary on Netflix about Sunderland, just watch the positivity that starts in that first half an hour when they think we're going to film our bounce back to the Premier League. And is it falls apart and they and they plummet into into League One. Rather aptly called Sunderland till we die. Indeed, yeah. I think there were lots of people that would that would much rather the latter option in that than go to the Stadium of Light anymore, I think. Talking about former glory, Joe Hart on the bench for Burnley. Gee. <laughs> Yeah, that's nearly I, as bad as Sunderland playing in the in the in the in the second division at the moment. I mean, I, I, England's number one at one stage. Premiership 
winner and all of a sudden on the bench for Burnley, Matt. Yeah, it's a funny thing with Joe Hart. Never quite recovered from the fact that he wasn't rated by Pep Guardiola. I always thought the thing with Hart was that he lived for a goalkeeper far too much on the line. It was all the, the chest thumping, the big saves, the passion. What you actually need, I think, in this day and age, and you see now with the rule change about being able to pass out from the back, you need a goalkeeper with a calm head that's willing, that can get positionally very, very smart. Hart was never good at that. He was a good shot stopper, a, a smart goalkeeper in the sense that he got himself big in those tight situations. But but for the for the modern day, should I say, kind of in the last three, four years of of Edison, of Allison, of, of good Burton Leno with, with good feet for goalkeepers, Joe Hart's passed it, unfortunately. Oh, that's what's happening in the football, the live football at the moment. What's happening in the cricket, Monte? Yes, day four uh, at Lords. It's lunch and Australia 155 for five with a 53-run partnership between Captain Tim Payne and Steve Smith, who's batting on 53 not out. And I think time is running out for England in this test match. It's uh, it's one nil to Australia currently in the series. Well, I want to talk rugby now. I've got my man CVR here. Uh, we're going to reflect on the Bledisloe first and foremost um, because New Zealand took on Australia in their spiritual home um, a little earlier on today. How did that fare? We'll tell you in a few moments' time. Why was there so much interest in this one, given the fact the rugby championship had been concluded, South Africa crowned victors uh, uh, last weekend. It was, of course, because of Australia's performance against New Zealand last week. Now Corabretti gives it to Beale. Curtly Beale showing and going into the 22. He goes. Can they finish with a flourish? Here's Coleman. He gets it back. Jones is out there in jersey number 20. Luke Jones. Forty-seven points to twenty-six. Job done for the men in goal. They keep the Bledisloe Cup series alive. Uh, now, I must just reiterate to listeners that was last Saturday. Things can change rather dramatically in seven days in the world of rugby. I tell you what, Tom, as I say, a week in sport is a lifetime. And uh, we saw the reports this week of Steve Hansen not being a happy man. I think also what a lot of people are forgetting, as much as a good a result that was for Australia last week, for the majority of that game, they were only playing against 14 men. Of course, we remember that incident of Scott Barrett against Michael Looper, basically nearly taking his... Uh, his, his neck off his shoulders, a, a shoulder charge, which received the red card. And, of course, Australia then ran right. New Zealand were back this morning in full force. Sonny Ball Williams made it back into the starting lineup. And, as I say, he made his impact felt. Tries by Richie Mwanga, Aaron Smith, Sonny Ball Williams, Severis, and George Bridge, as well as Richie Mwanga kicking three penalties as well as four conversions. New Zealand winning that one quite convincingly, 36 points to zero. They retained the Bledisloe Cup. And, as you say... At, uh, at Eden Park, always very, very tough uh, to build them. Uh, Michael Checker, Australian coach, has said this is not dampened his hopes for the World Cup. But Tom, I think once again we've seen when New Zealand need to switch it on and they switch it on, they definitely do have the firepower to put away teams. Fascinating. I watched this game last weekend uh, while over in London. Um, uh, the uh, Australia against New Zealand. And, and, and kudos to Australia. They've been good throughout the rugby championship. I think the fact that they've, that they've recruited well some of their sort of key uh, starting players are on the bench at the moment, going back to Le Lafano, uh, unearthing some great talent out in the sort of mid-divisions and the wings at the moment. You know, they're giving themselves a chance going into the World Cup. What I find fascinating about the Wallabies under Michael Checker, everyone had written them off um, going into the Rugby Championship this year. 
and you look at the starting lineup, the likes of Kirtley Beale, the likes of James O'Connor, the likes of Adam Ashley Cooper on the sort of sidelines as well. I mean, what World Cup are we talking about? The 2021 or the 2010 one? Absolutely, Tommy. <laughs> They're calling it the playback from way back. He's brought in back some of the old folk. But I think what people do underestimate is it's often what's needed in inside. You know, today we see South Africa be captained by a 38-year-old. And often what a lot of people are saying in those World Cup squads, you need the cool heads, you need the experience. And that's where the likes of Kirtley Beale, James O'Connor, that's kind of resurrected his, his career. We know what a talent he was. He seems to be coming back to full footers. And you kind of just need those more senior players to guide the team, especially through a couple of tight situations or tight games. And I kind of think that's what Checker was leading on, especially with the likes of Adam Ashley Cooper. Currently, Beal, to me, he's always been a great player. The big question is, where do they play him with their current Australia setup? Is it fullback? Is it centre? Is it fly off? So it'll be interesting to see. I'm just going to break away from the rugby. Why? Because you just heard it there. There's been a goal at the Emirates Stadium. Is it for the Reds? Is it for the Blues? Let's find out. And it's 1-1, one, one, Tom. Uh, Bar uh, Barnsley? Where did I get Barnsley from? <laughs> That's from Ashley Barnes. Sorry, 1-1, one, one, Tom. Burnley are back in this game, and it's quite a fortuitous goal. Well taken by that man, the Austrian international. Not a lot of people know that. Austrian international Ashley Barnes. Started with a move from the back, whipped out right to the far left, I'd actually just been writing a note for my half-time review about how hard Danny Ceballos has been working to really endear himself to the Arsenal fans here. What he's just done there will not do that. He's been left on his backside by a very simple drop of the shoulder. The shot that had came in, I'm just trying to see who that was from. Dwight McNeil it is, took a deflection into Barnes, standing completely unmarked, and he had the whole goal to aim at. 1-1. One, one. Uh, that's what's happening in uh, the world of football. Keep an eye on that one. We're also talking rugby as well. Uh, a lot to talk about ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Keep it locked here on Dubai 103.8. Some big news coming up ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, congratulations, though, to South Africa. They've been crowned the champions of the Rugby Championship. They did it this way. Line break from Sneeman. Same side go. The Springboks, not a great pass, but the pickup from front stage is magical. The over the top pass. Cheslin Colby is over but there was that pickup from Stein brilliant it was through the gap back on the inside the basketball one over the top just as good from Peter Steff on the clock yeah thank you Cheslin Colby goes in all for the championship clinical performance away from home by South Africa 46 points to 13 and that result South Africa claimed the rugby championship 2019 Congratulations to South Africa, uh, Carlos van Rosenfeld, reflecting on that one as well. I mean, you can't ask for a better tee-up ahead of the world. I know you've been a little bit despondent about South African rugby in the doldrums over the last couple of years, but in terms of coming into a big tournament in form, can't ask more than that. Yeah, they're, they're showing the right signs, Tom, and I think that, that uh, victory in Argentina is a lot more important than what people put the emphasis on. Of course, Argentina... Uh, narrowly lost to New Zealand two weeks before that 20 points to 16 Salta East played at altitude and uh, South Africa really showed some fantastic form Andre Pollard having a fantastic game there and as I say that it seems like there's another goal oh, oh just keep keep you talking uh, 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 Carlos because every time you talk a uh, ball goes into the back of the net or is it wow that's <laughs> that's good tell the joy in this little corner of the office here Arsenal, we thought, had gone 2-1 up. That was incredibly tight. It's Reese Nelson, the man who rifled a left-footed shot in from about eight yards, smashed it into the roof of the net. An excellent finish from the young England international. As it is, it seems that that has been given for Nacho Monreal yeah, being yeah, offside. 
but we have a first VAR experience. Of course, I forgot about VAR. Referee Mike Riley currently checking. Oh, the flag it. went up. Riley loves a bit of VAR, oh, doesn't he? The, the drama. Because the camera's on him. Well, well, well. And I mean, this technically proves the value of VAR because on most replays, that does not look at all offside. But what we've seen from the camera angle we are being shown is that Nacho Monreal's left boot strayed probably six inches offside. He played the ball back for Nelson, who rifled it in, as I said. But no goal. 1-1, one, one, and we're in stoppage time at the end of the first half. And we'll have more reflection on the rule changes uh, in the Premier League and VAR a little later on in proceedings. But there's probably going to be another goal in a minute anyway, because we're, we're talking rugby with CVR <laughs> at the moment. I mean, in terms of coming out, let's put Bledisloe to one side because I think that was a bit of a one-off game. We saw a, a different New Zealand looking to make a point today. But if we look at the sort of form of the rugby championship, and obviously we'll talk about the Quilter Internationals, the warm-ups for the Northern Hemisphere teams in just a, a little while. What can those sort of rugby championship teams take out of the last couple of months' action leading into the World Cup? Yeah, Tom, I think that, you know, if, if you look at especially from a South African perspective, they, they found a couple of new Euros. Giant uh, uh, that scrum off has been absolutely fantastic. Franz Steiner showed that he's once again that statesman that you're needing in a, in a World Cup squad. And there's a couple of players uh, that, that Mostert at lock have really put up his hand. So there's a couple of players that have really put up the hand that I think will be going into, into the World Cup. The big question around the South African squad at the moment is, where do we see Sia Kulisi? He comes in today off the bench. Uh, Game of Thrones, isn't it? Sorry? <laughs> he comes today uh, off the bench for the first time. He's been out of action for about 12 weeks. Rusty Rasmus has said he needs to open up the tap. So where do we see him fitting in? And will he, of course, be the captain for the World Cup? New Zealand, I think, have once again shown that they are definitely the favourites going to the World Cup. They, yes, they did have the loss to Australia, but I think they can kind of switch it on and off when they really need to. And they do have those big players that can make the big players. My big question for New Zealand is, where do we see Baden Barrett? I still believe Baden Barrett should sit on the bench, bring him on as that impact player in the last 20 minutes, like he did in the 2015 World Cup, and start with Richie Mohanga. It'll be interesting to see what New Zealand fans say about that. Australia, there and there about. To me, with Australia, they have to choose the right combinations. And looking at, uh, looking at Argentina, I still think the RGs are struggling for consistency. They got the pack of forwards. If they get it right on the day, they're a tough team to beat. But to consistently perform week in and week out, to me, they struggled during the rugby championship. So I think if you look at the Southern Hemisphere teams, New Zealand at this moment in time, still going at the favourites. I still believe South Africa will struggle to beat them in that pool match. I see New Zealand ending top of their pool, and then South Africa will be faced in a, a quarter-final against Ireland in the World Cup if everything goes according to plan. Good on you, CVR, giving us thoughts ahead uh, after the Rugby Championship and ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Let us turn our attention now to some of the stars of World Cups in years gone by. Uh, and, of course, we'll be looking at some of the stars of the World Cups to come. Talk to me about Shout Brits. Uh, where does Shout Brits sort of stand in the sort of the, the, the list of all-time greats for South Africa? Skulk Brits, the captain today. I think he's been a little bit unfortunate, in all honesty. He's, he's an old-school friend of mine, so I'm very, I'm very, very close to him, and we were absolutely ecstatic to see the announcement of him being captain this week. And I kind of think that the South African era understanding of Skulk Brits as a hooker is they always thought he was too small. Even from a schoolboy role, he then went into provincial. And to me, he was also in, in, in what should I say, in the darkness of John Smith being captain, Bismarck, Duplessis. So... He was in an era where it was always going to be very, very tough to make it. But I think his best move of his career was when he went to, to the Viva Premiership. You know, they called him the Peter Pan of the Premiership. And, and, and to me, he was absolutely outstanding. He really, really showed of what he can do. And I just feel from a South African point of view, we really underutilize Skulk Brits. 
Yes, he's got his opportunity very, very late in life. Today is the first time he starts in the number two jersey since 2008 in Argentina. And, you know, he's, 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 uh, he's the second guy from Paul Roos to actually captain uh, the, the, the Springboks. And to me, it's just a, a great reward for him being so, so disciplined and, and, and so dedicated. And uh, I remember having a chat to him last year at, the, at Twickenham at the test, and I said, Stolk, you're getting too old for this game. And he said, you know, what difference does it make if I retire at 37 or 38? So I just feel very happy for him that he has been rewarded so late in his career. Uh, I hope he goes on to have a fantastic World Cup and hopefully he can walk away with some kind of medal from the World Cup and uh, close of his career on a high. You heard that? Former contemporary and schoolmate uh, of... Carlos van Rosenveld. Uh, he now is, of course, the he kept a captain of the Springboks. Um, will that mean a late call-up for uh, Carlos ahead of the World Cup in Japan? We'll wait and see. Uh, and does he rank in uh, Shark's great inspirations? He's been asked ahead uh, of the World Cup this year for his own rugby inspirations. But interested to know if our very own CVR makes the list. There's actually a lot of unsung heroes that's had such amazing impact on my life. And not just as a rugby player, but but as as a person. Mostly, you would probably get this from all people: is is their parents sacrificing week in and week out, driving me wherever I have to be, and then supporting. Uh, only understanding it now that I have kids myself, and it, it takes to sacrifice every weekend for your boys. Takes a lot of effort. Driving my parents left 400 k's from where I live to do that week in and week out took a lot, and then. My school coach Jacques Hanekong to Brenner Fenter that showed me a different way of treating people to Edward Griffiths at Saracens where um, showed me that from their perspective, well, we, from, there was a deal. The deal was I'll try unbelievably hard in return, uh, they'll treat us unbelievably well. Uh, and just from that perspective is uh, the, the person came first. Uh, and that's what I've learned at Saracens, you know, it, it's just, it's a simple agreement, but it was unbelievable that I don't feel like a commodity, but I felt, I felt like myself and my, my family and myself comes first, even in a club perspective. So they are actually the unsung heroes and every teammate that makes me look good. I, I can honestly say they make me look much better than I actually am. So it, it's... And then keeping me through it, helping me through the tough and good times. You know, that's what I love rugby. It's, it's not a lonely sport. I've always got a couple of mates around me, and it's uh, although the faces change, um, those relationships I'll cherish forever. This is the grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. Lunchtime lamb chops all being consumed around the world of sport at the moment let's get the latest from the Emirates Stadium how's it looking Matt? Yeah finished that first half one all Tom and we're just looking back over some of the highlights uh, on the screen here and it seems that that Bur- uh, I almost said Barnsley again Burnley <laughs> that Burnley because I mentioned chops isn't I know. it? <laughs> <laughs> that bar- right <laughs> Burnley, <laughs> that Burnley goal did come from a David Luiz mistake. We were talking before the game started, CVR and I. I think it's a shrewd bit of business, Arsenal, from Arsenal, bringing in the Chelsea man for, for such a small fee. CVR was shaking his head, saying that he's a calamity waiting to happen. And sure enough, on his home debut, he's been guilty of standing about two and a half, three yards behind the rest of his back four, which allowed Ashley Barnes to just stray into that zone ahead of everybody else and poke the goal in. So it's still one all, but this game is delicately poised. I think we could be looking at perhaps a bit of a shock here for Burnley. And that's what's happening in the football, what's happening in the cricket. It's lunchtime. Yep, um, uh, it's uh, 
at the moment it's 155 for five for Australia. Uh, I've just said, I've just read the quick info update here, uh, Tom. It says Advance Steve Smith Fair and not Advance Australia Fair. It shows the solidity Steve Smith has brought to the Australian team and hats off to him after being away from the game for one year and, and taking so much of uh, criticism. He's back. He's back with, 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 with determination, the mental toughness that he's shown in the series. Maybe that's the way to get him out. Dodgy lunch. Dodgy lunch. Well, again, referencing Arsenal. Remember the old lasagna gate of 2004, of course. So maybe that's what they're, they're serving. Well, I'd like to ask a question, actually, about, about Steve Smith. Obviously, he's a, he's a wonderful batsman and was a wonderful batsman when he was a captain. But I was watching uh, on TV yesterday on the, the Sky Sports back in the UK, a masterclass of his, and how much he feels a lot freer than he was when he was a captain. He doesn't have to make those decisions. He's just got to be responsible for himself. And it's interesting when you see a player that, because ultimately, captaining your country is the pinnacle. But for some, you can do better when you don't have that responsibility. Yep, I totally agree with you. If you, if you watch him play uh, in, in the first two test matches now in, at Edgbaston and Lords, you, you could clearly tell his mindset is clear and it's free. He knows what to leave and what to play at. And I think it's clearly showing he's got 300 runs plus in the series. And uh, I'm not sure how many more runs he's going to score in the series. For sure, my, uh, my, my, my uh, man of the series already. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's also extraordinary what he brings to the Australian side as well. Or just how, how key he is, especially to this Australian side, which is... Is, 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 uh, look at this test at the moment, you know, and the top order's not scoring runs. Cam Bancroft looks like to be a bit of a walkie wicket at the moment. David Warner's not hit form in the, in, the, in the long form in his return to test match as he has at the moment. Yet we've seen a few runs from uh, the lower, sort of the mid order in the previous test match. But without Steve Smith, they've got a bit of a problem. Um, I think also the return of... Uh Matthew Wade, I think uh, he he's been in good form, so uh, he's got a century uh, in the first first in the test. First test, yeah, but first he's, test. He's, he's not gone um, on this test, man. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you, Tom. Yes, if Steve Smith fails as a rare failure, then Australia's top order will be tested, and it's time for David Warner then to show uh, as to why he's back in the Australian cricket team. Yeah. Um, Fascinating uh, test match, this one between England and Australia, uh, all the, made all the more fascinating by the fact that uh, Steve Smith has been just... I mean, the question, I suppose, that needs to be asked is why is Steve Smith so good? Get a man that completely walks in the face of all things that you're taught as a youngster when it comes to textbook cricket, he is the antithesis of that, and yet he's one of the great players in the world. Patience, 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 patience. Steve Smith just hangs in and hangs in he will block 300 balls if he needs to and the 301st ball he'll dispatch for six runs and to me i think he i think he's got some fantastic concentration uh, tom if you watch him play as you say totally unorthodox doesn't play the way you should play cricket. but to me he is so patient and he, and he literally he just grinds out innings and i think that's what makes him so good mentally he's just so strong he's got this fantastic concentration uh, when he's at the pitch and he just waits and he, and he literally he only puts away bad balls the good balls he shows the bowler the respect he blocks it and he just hangs in I don't know how he does it he just hangs in for days and days and I think that's what makes him so successful yeah, I think, I think uh, the difference between Steve Smith uh, and, and the other greats such as Virat Kohli is basically they have a sense of vision before they walk in I think Steve Smith already knows the scenario and he, he approaches the game uh, methodically this is what I feel Steve Smith is mentally strong yeah, yeah you're absolutely right the interview I was watching with him yesterday he said, and it was, quite, it was quite funny to see Nasser Hussein who was interviewing him, he said, I probably sleep on average during a test, uh, test match about 15 to 20 hours across the whole period of time. And so Nasser bit back and said, oh, you, what, you don't strike me as 
a kind of nervy sort of guy. And he says he's not. It's because I'm I'm thinking about all the things I'm going to do. I'm thinking about the balls that, that Broad's going to bowl at me, that Wokes is going to bowl at me, and what I'm going to do with them. And he says, I do it because I'm excited, because I can't wait. And this is why I think he is as good as he is, because he lives and breathes cricket. We, we talk about some sportsmen, especially in football, that, that just sort of turn up, take the paycheck. Steve Smith just wants to be really, really good at cricket, and he really, really enjoys it. And you can see it in the way that he plays. It's smart, it's well thought out. He's not really thinking beyond that next ball because he just wants to do what he can do and make everybody enjoy the sport as much as he did. I think he's great fun to watch. How do you classify him? I mean, some people have said unorthodox, some people have said uh, anti uh, the, the, the coaching manual. Uh, Charles Colville, let's hear from him and his panel. They've just gone one step closer, one step further. They just say he's ugly. I can't stand watching Steve Smith back because I think he is the ugliest batsman and he is an affront to the beauty of cricket. Would you go along with me? Are you going to support me, Mark? Not, well, uh, yeah, I'm is on your side. Is he a beautiful side. batsman? I'm on your side because yeah. I've seen a lot of Steve Smith back. <laughs> I can assure you of that. He seemed to me today to be yeah. even more fidgety than yeah. usual. He's, it's almost as though he's going over the top, isn't yeah, it he? Yeah, it looked alike here. I think he's got to be a bit careful of, of running the risk of getting a bit funky, you know, with the game. Um, he's obviously in fantastic form. He's very hungry. He's playing well. Don't mess about with that. Stay in your bubble. He he got a he got a bit outside of himself today. I think with some of his movements and fidgeting around with bowlers and and stuff like that. So I I, I don't wouldn't totally go along with that. But worryingly, you know, he's left the ball again really well, and he he's trying to play himself in you know uh, for a long knock. And of course, the, the rest of this opposite to you, Mark, who was uh, you were still as a statue, and that was. Uh, the way we were all taught to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I like orthodox because it repeats. It tends to repeat. And you tend to make the game easier for yourself. But he's found a formula, hasn't he? And when I watched him two years ago down in the Ashes where there wasn't a lot of lateral movement, he, we just couldn't get him out. However, four years ago, in English conditions at Cardiff, Edgbaston, Trent Bridge, we nicked him off when the ball moved and he got in some very awkward positions. He's still getting into those awkward yeah. positions. But honestly, his leave, which is up there with Courtney Walsh as, as one of the great leaves of all time, yeah. as a top-class bowler, if you saw somebody doing that to you, the lightsaber leave, you'd be thinking it's time for something fairly serious straight between the eyes, wouldn't you? Probably not bouncing, Charles, as well. <laughs> but yeah, infuriating. But it's interesting what Mark says about him uh, being in his little bubble. I wonder if all these eccentricities are actually... Uh, to keep him focused, and he, he has to do that. He, you know, we had people who used to, well, Jonathan Trott, uh, you know, just wander off to square leg and have a scratch of the ground and come back, but uh, this is the total opposite. Amazing. This is The Grill, your weekend home for all things sports, live from Barasti. On Dubai I 103.8. Updated with all the latest live sport and keeping an eye on some of the big stories of the day as well. Back and away uh, over the Emirates Stadium, Matt. Indeed, and it is time for Nicolas Pepe. Arsenal fans everywhere will be delighted to see their £72 million club record signing. He has replaced Reese Nelson at half-time. That means a little bit of a shuffle in formation, not too much, but what I expect Arsenal to shift to a much more conventional 4-3-3. You'll have Aubameyang on the left, Lacazette still through the middle, and Nicolas Pepe will take up position on the right of those three. He is known 
and, the, uh, and where he enjoyed much of his success in France last season. He's very much of the Iron Robin mould. He'll run at you direct, he'll do it with pace, he'll do it with close control, and then he'll shuffle inside and unleash that ferocious left foot. As it is, with three minutes in, it's one all, and I haven't seen him yet, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, still in lunch, having a good old lunch down at Lords at the moment. Gives us an opportunity to go back to the rugby. Uh, England against Wales is going to be the feature game. That'll be shown first and foremost. Uh, that one's getting underway within around about uh, the next 45 minutes. Quarter past five local time here in the UAE. Wales against England. That'll be show followed by South Africa against Argentina, Italy against Russia, France against Scotland. Let's get some thoughts on that Wales-England game. Let's start with the uh, thoughts of the England coach, Eddie Jones. Now, he was impressed with his team's victory against Wales at Twickenham last week. You know, it's going to be a different um, a kettle of fish uh, down in Wales for this next uh, game later on this afternoon. But he's asked his England team to be brutal. Yeah, well, I want to see these young guys come through again tomorrow, play with the same sort of brutality they did last week. Yeah, wow. And I'll be happy if they if they do that or be satisfied and then, then we'll slowly bring some of the more established players back in and get them ready. And how does that work in terms of World Cup? What do you want to see or how are you using tomorrow as you look ahead to those games? Is it specifically the USA game maybe with a quick turnaround? Uh, or what, what, what sort of strategy are you going in with and what have you said to the players? I want to see this because this is what you're going to have to deal with in Japan. Yeah, we haven't spoken to the players about that, but you know we've got two games in four days, so the majority of the squad's going to play. Some guys will have to double up. Uh, which again the exercise we've got tomorrow mm. so just finding about those guys who potentially can double up and those guys who can't uh, so uh, ringing the changes yet again uh, he's made a few left field decisions that's for sure CVR but you were impressed with England last weekend yeah absolutely I think you know Eddie Jones speaks about the brutality and I think last weekend they showed it they, they, they really showed that they got a lot of muscle up front and I think if England can really get that pack uh, for formation going forward again today like they did last week. They're going to be very, very tough to beat. We see a, a big change pack today. Quite interesting to see Courtney Laws on the flank. He's uh, Mario Tojo uh, in, in the lock position, uh, Tom. So, as I said, once again, I think it will be quite brutal today. But, but it seems to me that Eddie Jones is very much going with the approach, especially the selections that he's making. Is he wants to out-muscle every single team. And I think... Uh, once again, he'll be, he'll be going with that approach uh, against the Welsh today. Looking at the Welsh team, once again, a strong team by, by, by Wales. I think Warren Gatlin would like to be getting a victory under his belt before the World Cup because you can say what you want to. Yes, it is friendlies and so forth. Teams are feeding at each other. But I think they will be a, a rather disappointed by the performance last week at Twickenham. Uh, let's just go through that England starting 15 if we can. Can you give me an update on Rory McConaughey? Because obviously McConaughey missed out through injury last week and there was a question mark over his participation in the game uh, today. We'll get an update on whether he starts or not. I can tell you the rest of the team uh, looks like this. We've got Elliot Daly at the back. Uh, Joseph and Francis in the midfield, uh, uh, on the on one wing. Ford and Hines continue their partnership that started so successfully last week. And then into the pack, uh, Lewis Genge at number, uh, sorry, Ellis Genge at number one. Cameron Dickey and Cole makes up the front row. Launchbury and Itoji in a powerful second row. And then a hard-hitting back row of Laws, Ludlam and Billy Bonapola. Uh, George Marler, Sinclair, Cruz, Singleton, Youngs, Farrell and Tuolangi make the bench as well. Rory McConaughey, uh, obviously an amazing turnaround for him to go from sevens 
12 months ago, was playing here in the Dubai Sevens this time last year, or not long from here last year, then took up a professional contract, played in the Aviva Prem. He's, been, he's made the squad to go to, to, to Japan for England. Um, unbelievable, Tom. As you say, what a, fan, what a fantastic story. And I think the youngster's really just shown, you know, what, 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 what he can do. But once again, I think quite a, quite a surprised selection. If we look at him, of course, he's had, a, he's had a very decent season for Bath. He's the only uncapped player in, uh, in the, the whole of that uh, World Cup squad. So a lot will be resting on the young man's shoulders, but as you say, a great, great achievement for him. And not playing today. So unfortunate news just coming through that Rory McConaughey has failed his pre-match uh, warm-up. So the Bath Wing has been ruled out of the Wales game. He was set to make his uh, test debut in Cardiff, um, but has a minor muscle strain. Anthony Watson will therefore come in, his clubmate. Uh, will come in and replace after impressing last week. So that is crushing for a young man who obviously has made the squad, was looking to make his debut last week. Injury got in the way of that one. Injury gets in the way again, so he has to wait. Yeah, absolutely. They've got one more game left, and I'm sure he'll be looking to, you know, kind of get a run out before the World Cup. I think it's important for, uh, for, for Eddie Jones. As he said, a couple of the players will have to double up now before the World Cup starts, but it's important for him to get all those guys out there, still test one or two combinations. Interesting to see how George Ford will go at, uh, at fly-off today for, for Eddie Jones. He still seems to be quite undecided if we were going with Owen Farrell, if we were going with George Ford at fly-off. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what Eddie Jones decides on, but I think very important that the squad gets a full run, Tom, before the start of the World Cup. Let's get the thoughts of the home uh, coach now. Uh, Warren Gatland, obviously he had injury concerns to deal with uh, during midweek with Gareth Anscombe ruled out not just of the World Cup but looks like the rest of the forthcoming season as well uh, but he's uh, not been mincing his words Warren Gatler midweek he's made a few big changes to the team for the game against England down in Cardiff and he says that nobody is guaranteed their place in his World Cup squad yet there's a chance for everyone and there's a, that's why um, for the guys are, there's a lot of pressure on those guys on, on the weekend because if some of them don't front and don't perform, then they're opening the door for for someone else. You win last weekend, you win this weekend, and you you know you pretty much would have sealed potentially a starting spot for for the first game or the first couple of games in the World Cup. But so that's why we wanted to make sure that the players are are aware and that they're under pressure that. They don't perform well on Saturday. That they're opening no. the door for potentially someone else. Warren Gatland there, and now listen. I mean, he's a man that talks the talk, and he walks the walk as well. But I'm going to question his uh, knowledge here, or his, his, his greater knowledge here, because he says no one's guaranteed their place. I think Alan Wynne Jones might have guaranteed his place. I mean, apart from injury, I, I, I think if injury got in the way, then I'm not going to eat any hats. But if injury doesn't get in the way and he misses out on a place for the World Cup, I will eat a hat of any sort that you put in front of me. Alan Wynne, looking forward to another tough test. We've prepared well. And, you know, in the past we've had these... Uh, uh, meetings, questions after Six Nations Autumns where we've started uh, poorly. You could probably say we started poorly in this year's Six Nations, but, um, you know, did pretty well in the end. Um, so, yeah, like Gat said, there's things to address, um, but we'd like to think they're all fixable. Um, and probably the, the buzzword for me was probably momentum. When, you you know, you put pressure on line at time, we probably felt we were pressuring them a lot, but we didn't convert that pressure. Uh, and likewise, at set-piece time, scrum time, when they had a good foundation, we were you know, chasing the ad line to try and stop their momentum. So, you know, there's things that we can clearly work on um, for next week. Dan Bigger uh, in at 10. Uh, Anscombe out of the World Cup. 
Yeah, it's a big, big blow, Gareth Anscombe. And uh, former Welsh great JJ Williams believes that that has really dampened Wales' chance of winning the World Cup. He does not rate Dan Bigger and says Wales will not win the World Cup with Dan Bigger at Flyhoff. And I must say, Gareth Anscombe really did bring that steadiness when it comes to place kicking. So Dan Bigger will be going into this game, Tom, with a lot of pressure and a lot, a, lot, a lot to prove. And he will have to get things right because he will now be instrumental in the World Cup campaign of Wales in the number 10 jersey. Elsewhere for that Wales uh, lineup, as I said, they get underway around about half an hour's time down in Cardiff. Should be a cracker of a game. It's live down here at Barasti. Uh, the flanker James Davis comes in to join brother and Scar's teammate Jonathan Davis in the side as well. I mean, Wales on paper look very impressive, and I think they will go far in the World Cup. Uh, given the fact that they have strength in depth, especially with the strength they have off their bench as well. Liam Williams at fullback, George North on one wing, Jonathan Davis, who's playing the rugby of his career at the moment, and Hadley Parks make up for a very, very dominating centre partnership. Um, you've got Adams on the other wing, then Bigger, Davies, who had a great game against England last weekend. Smith, Owens and Francis in the front line. Ball and Alan Winwood-Jones in the second row. And then this uh, fascinating back row as well. Uh, Wainwright, James Davis, Moriarty. Uh, given the fact that they have, without the... Um, uh, the services of Toby Fulatau. They've still got a lot of key players that can come into a very versatile back row. Absolutely, Tom. A lot of key players. You just mentioned that they were players that don't quite have the experience of Fulatau. And I think this is one thing. If I have to look at the, the, the English back row and the Welsh back row today, the English back row definitely a lot more experience. Yes, Lewis Littleham quite new to the squad, but Billy Vanipola adds so much go forward ball. So I think that will be a real, real battle today. But as you said, I still do fancy Wales for the World Cup. On the day, I believe Wales can beat any any team. And uh, today, I think they will have to come with a bit more physicality to match this English pack and kind of get on top of them early on. I felt last week Wales were kind of a bit lackluster. They need to be a lot more structured. And as I said, big pressure will be on Dan Bigger to bring that structure back into the Welsh setup today. Pressure on all the players ahead of Wales against England. It's live from Cardiff uh, at 5.15 local time, so half an hour and counting. And you can guarantee one thing uh, will be for sure, that the Welsh uh, crowd will be in good voice ahead of... Uh, well, we'll have more build-up ahead of that one in just a few moments' time. A lot of eyes on Eddie Jones' England team. Some new selections in there as well as people try to lose their place. Not in his Japan squad. That's already been decided, but it is starting 15. England will be in Cardiff shortly. Hello and welcome to The Game Plan, brought to you by Quilter. And obviously England have named their side for the big one in Cardiff. Uh, Chris Robshaw is alongside once again. And interesting, Wales have gone again with what we call their gun side. Do you think Eddie Jones has picked the side that is trying to get some of those younger players up to speed as quickly as possible? Yeah, I think so. I mean... With, with the next kind of four weeks coming up, there's no better occasions in more hostile environments than going down to the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Whenever you play them down in Cardiff, they seem to grow a couple inches, get a bit broader in the shoulders. Uh, the crowd are definitely pretty hostile towards English English sides coming down there. Definitely there's a, an opportunity in looking at, let's get some of these new guys some experience. Rory comes onto the wing again. We know he missed out last weekend, so it's a great opportunity for him. Lewis Ludlin was fantastic last week. Um, came in, of course, a bit last minute, but definitely kind of went above and beyond what people expected. He carried hard, he tackled hard, and he was brilliant throughout the game. 
You mentioned Rory McConaughey. It's a remarkable story to go from the England 7 squad to the England 15 squad inside 12 months. What awaits him in terms of a reception and how's he going to handle it? There'll be a couple of early high balls kind of coming his way, but a guy a guy of that experience now, like we know he's, he's played for England 7s. He's done extremely well for Bath this season. They'll be very well prepared and I'm sure they'll be expecting that early on. Just a word on the bench as well. Interesting to see the return of Owen Farrell, who I imagine will just, just be beginning to, to pick up speed as we head towards the big tournament. We all know what Owen's about, the intensity, the, the quality of a player he is. Uh, there are much be- many better than him. Um, and for him, he brings that control, that leadership. Um, and he, he'll be one of those guys. He'll be itching to get on the pitch straight away. Uh, but he'll do what's right for the side. How big a statement would an England win at the Principality P come this weekend? Yeah, it'd be huge. I think they look fresh, they look fit, they look hungry last week. But to do it on the road is another challenge for them. It's another step up. They would have, like, like we spoke about last week, blown off some of the cobwebs. The combinations are starting to flow a little bit more. They've all got a bit of match sharpness in them. Um, and it's another step in the right direction, hopefully. Good stuff. Thanks, as always, Chris. We shall see what Saturday brings. Stand by. The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Indeed it is. Game on indeed. And the noise you can hear behind us there are some very happy fans down the Emirates Stadium. Is it the home fans? Is it the away fans? Matt. It's the home fans, Tom, myself included. I'm going to throw Monty in with that as well because he called a 3-1 win with goals for Aubameyang. And it is that man. The Gabon International has put the Gunners Back in front, we got about 30 minutes to go. A ball won by Danny Ceballos in midfield. Frees up Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who runs into the heart of the Burnley defence and thwacks one into the bottom left-hand corner from just outside the box. This has been a terrific second half, Tom, I have to say. While I was tuned into a little bit about what you boys were saying about the rugby, this game has been excellent. There's a great pace to it. Chances are plenty. Arsenal looking very fluid. Their new man, Nicolas Pepe, being given a little bit too much freedom, if you ask me, out on that right flank. It is going to go some the rest of this game. I suggest everybody tunes in. Get involved in that one and get involved in all the latest. More reaction from CVR. Yeah, what he's, about, a, he's a gog, he's a gas. What, what about Aubameyang celebration? Surely the manager must be having a heart attack there. <laughs> doing doing a, a somersault in front of the in front of the main stand. Yeah, that's his go-to celebration. He's been doing that for a long time. I think it tends to work out for most people. I remember oh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, Lamana Luar Luar famously injuring sir, injuring himself during a relegation battle for Portsmouth. As he because uh, he wasn't just a, fro- a forward flip, his was a something that Simone Biles would have been proud of what he was pulling out in those corner flags but yeah that's uh, that's his go-to Aubameyang I think we'll be seeing plenty of it this season yeah going to keep an eye on the football for you as we are the cricket they're back underway over at Lords Monty what's the latest from there uh, Steve Smith has just amassed uh, an average of 169 at the Ashes and uh, at the moment it's 162 for the loss of six wickets. Australia have just lost their sixth wicket in the form of Tim Payne. Scott oh. uh, Butler <laughs> bowled Jofra Archer. Jofra Archer, who is taking his second wicket. Remember, he took his first wicket yesterday. It sounded a little something like this. And again, you short and wide climbing. <laughs> Given this time his first test wicket, Jofra Archer, he has sent it upstairs. Wicket's umpire's ball. Delightful moment for him. Edge done down. A 
wicket usually brings another and it has this time again. Heading for the boundary in a hurry. So wicket for Jofra Archer yesterday, another wicket for him today. So just to confirm, he's taken his second wicket now. Yeah, he's taken his second wicket and I think uh, uh, playing in his first test match for England, uh, he's shown uh, promises and he's got a great future ahead. Uh, we always spoke about him in the World Cup as being England's X-Factor, but I think England need to play him more now in the test matches as well. Yeah. well keep an eye on Jofra Archer. What about uh, other England uh, concerns? Well, one of the concerns is the batting form of the top order, not so much the middle order, which has been for a long time the, uh, the engine of runs for England, but a bit of a quandary as to where and how you play Johnny Bairstow has arisen during this series. Obviously, he is the man who's been entrusted with the gloves, which sees him bat at seven. Yet, average-wise and consistency-wise, he seems to be one of England's best batsmen. So, is there argument to give the gloves back to Joss Butler and bat uh, Johnny Bairstow as a dedicated batsman, as he does in the one-day format of the game? In fact, he opens for England in the one-day format. Uh, Johnny Bairstow was asked this question by Nasser Hussein during a rain stoppage over the last few days. The gloves were taken off of you in Sri Lanka, given to Ben folks. Some people have made quite a big deal out of the fact that you were a bit miffed about that. A, were you miffed that you lost the gloves? And B, isn't that just a natural reaction of someone who's worked hard at their wicket-keeping? Yeah, of course you're disappointed to, to lose uh, something that you've worked so hard on uh, over such a long period of time on and been questioned on for a long, long time. I'm sure that if someone had taken the captaincy off yourself, you'd have been... Uh, pretty miffed <laughs> that and and disappointed and reacted in in a similar way that's the, the characteristics that uh, in order to play professional sport you you've got to have in amongst uh, the rest and the skills so um look it is what it is uh, Rooty's said that he wants me to keep him back at seven now and I, i'm really happy with the way that my keeping's been going i've been working really really hard on that over a long period of time um, and yeah, that's 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 the end of it really. I'm I'm happy to be doing that role in the side. The flip side of that is that people, good cricket brains out there, will see a failing batting lineup at the top and see Johnny Bairstow with six Test hundreds, averaging 44 in first-class cricket, a proper batsman coming in at number seven, and think, isn't he a little bit wasted? There are other people who can keep. We need proper batsmen. Johnny Bairstow is one of them. I'll leave that up for you to discuss, Nas. I'm not. I'm not getting involved in those discussions. Um, look, it is what it is. Like there aren't many uh, people that have kept wicket and, and batted it in the top five. There aren't many that have been able to, to do that. Um, obviously, we're fortunate that we've got some more rounders that can bat at five, six, seven, and, and, uh, and beyond. Obviously, we saw Wokesy yesterday as well. So. What's the highest you could bat and keep, do you reckon? I've, I've got no idea, Nas. I'll let you... It might be raining this afternoon. You can discuss that one. Uh, Johnny Bairstow trying to dodge a few questions there. Uh, one man who's also causing a few headaches, uh, albeit good headaches, for the Australian selection party is Josh Hazelwood, was left out of the first Test match, has taken his opportunity in the second Test match, and he's done it with aplomb. So Josh... Uh First game back in Test cricket for about seven months. How was it? Fun. Yeah, had a great time. Obviously got a few wickets early, which is always good to, to calm the nerves, but really enjoyed yesterday. Um, I think we could have had them a little bit better, but obviously we, we dropped a few catches, which is, which is actually a good sign. I think we've got things to work on, and still 250, I think you take that at the start of the day. It looks like you're on fire from ball one. How do you adjust your lengths and lines over in England and especially here at Lords? 
Yeah, I think still just hitting the top of the stumps, um, hitting the knee roll uh, on the batter. I think you can err a touch shorter than that rather than full. Full seems to be the easy easy scoring option. So that was just my plan yesterday and, and to keep doing it time and time again. So you're hitting the top of off stumps. Pat Cummins is trying to hit the top of the helmets. <laughs> yeah, he can get aggressive from time to time. Um, he's such a good bowler. He can, he can do both. But yeah, he can bowl a hostile spell when needed and um, doesn't matter if the ball's new or old, he's, he's pretty lethal. Nathan Lyon, 355 test wickets, equal with Dennis Lunia. You sent him from a very young age. How has he evolved into the player he is today? Probably confidence, I think, is, is probably a big one. He knows his game so well. As I said before, he could take wickets on, on spinning wickets or, or there wasn't much for him yesterday and he still chipped in with three wickets. So um, no matter the conditions, um, he's, he's such a good bowler. Take us out to the middle. How is the pitch playing? Um, it's pretty slow. Um, I think the new ball is pretty key, uh, as we saw when we bowled, to get a few early ones. Uh, the ball does soften up a little bit, but I think it's a wicket where the, the batter never quite fills in. Um, you're not going to see real free-flowing scoring, but the bowler always fills in the game, I think. Bit of rain forecast, Australia 1 for 30. Who are you expecting a big performance out of today? I think Cameron Bancroft, to be honest. I think he's, he's worked really hard to, to get back to where he is now and scored some good runs in county cricket, so knows these conditions pretty well. I think a big one from him. That didn't transpire as uh, Bounce has gone. Australia trailing England by 90 runs with four wickets remaining, but as Monty was saying, uh, the all-important Steve Smith is still there at the crease at the moment. Maybe that's England's tactic, is to uh, work hard on all the players around Steve Smith and just forget about him. However, I mean, he's, yes, we know that it's difficult to get him out, but right now, the, the job gets even tougher, Tom, in my opinion, for England because we know the tail for Australia. They, it's, it's, it's a tough tail to, to, to remove and, uh, and they get runs. So Nathan Lyon can bat. We have, uh, we have a batsman in, uh, in Pat Cummins who can bat. So, so England have their work cut out and they need wickets t- tonight. Otherwise, uh, I mean, if, they, if they're looking for a result at Lord's. Uh, talking of Lords, it is uh, a beautiful venue for cricket and it's also a venue that's thrown up its fair share of moments. We'll reflect on those as we go to a short break and get ready for the final hour of The Grill. What a mistake. straight on well it was a big spin ball wasn't it good bowling difficult batting oh surely not out watch Anderson here just cool as a cucumber he's out by a metre oh Flintoff's gone too it is it's gun barrel straight and that made a real clanging sound oh that could be worth a shout I thought that was out Review it? Yep, they are. What a wonderful way to go to lunch for England. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai Eye Sport.